All right, if you have your Bible, I encourage you to open up to Hebrews chapter 8. We're looking at verses 1 to 13 today. I believe that's the whole chapter. Maybe you have seen those AT&T ad campaigns with the tagline, Just Okay is Not Okay. It features funny commercials, in case you haven't seen them, um, about someone about to go in for surgery, uh, someone skydiving for the first time, someone who needs new brakes on their car, and the surgeon, the skydiving instructor, the brake mechanic, they're just okay at what they do, at best. And the message is clear, for the things that are important to you, just okay is not okay. The more important something is, the the more important it is that the one responsible for making it happen is better than just okay. So let me ask you, when it comes to your eternity, when it comes to your salvation, when it comes to connecting with God and having a relationship with God, are you okay with someone in charge of all that? And in charge of making that happen, who's just okay? Or do you want the very best? uh, People who need surgery, for instance, will go to great lengths, right, to make sure they get an excellent surgeon. Um, The the very best possible that they can get. We don't want to trust our health and our body or even our mortal life, to someone who's inexperienced or mediocre. How much more should that be the case when we're talking about something as important as our spiritual health, as our salvation, as our relationship and our standing with the Eternal One? Well, over the past few weeks, we've seen that the person who can help us with this sort of thing is a priest. If you need surgery, you find a surgeon. If you need your brakes fixed, you find a mechanic. If you want to enter into God's presence and draw near to God, you need to find a priest. That's what priests do. They're like gatekeepers to the divine. They're like agents or assistants to deity. They're experts in the proper protocols, the proper sacrifices, the proper rituals and requirements to connect us as mere humans with the seemingly inaccessible, heavenly, holy realm of the divine. And as important as it is to get this right, I would say that when it comes to priests, just okay is not okay. We should want the very best. And that's what today's passage tells us we have in Jesus Christ. Today's passage compares Christ to the other priests we know of, if you've read the Bible, the priests of the Old Testament. They're called Levitical priests because they're all descended from the Old Testament tribe named after a man called Levi. And the key message of today's passage is that compared to them, compared to the Levitical priests who were the best on offer in the Old Testament times, but compared to them, God has now given us a better priest who mediates a better covenant. We'll talk about the covenant a bit later, but to start first, why is Jesus better 
than all of those other priests or any other priest. Why is Jesus a better priest? Well, um, what we're trying to get at is why is Jesus better at connecting us with God? Why is Jesus better at getting us into God's presence, getting us audiences, appointments with God? And making sure these things happen on favorable terms for us. That God is pleased to see us and that our audiences with God go well. Well, Hebrews had begun spelling this out in the last chapter in chapter 7. Telling us how Jesus is such a superior high priest. So much better at doing these things. Because God has promised on oath that Jesus is a permanent priest. That Jesus is always and forever there to be a priest for us. And that Jesus is a perfect, blameless, spotless priest. So he's always on good terms with God. He's always dressed up and ready to go into God's presence and to be received favorably with God. And then also that Jesus has made the perfect one-time sacrifice for our sins that has opened the way permanently into God's presence. So we saw all of that in chapter 7. And today's passage begins by sort of summing all this up in verse 1 before going on and adding a new reason that Jesus is a better priest. So to sum it up, and you know, every good preacher does this. Now the main point of what we are saying is this. Chapter 8, he finally gets around to the main point. Um, We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle, set up by the Lord, not by mere, a mere human being. So why is Jesus better than any other priest? Well, in addition to the reasons that we saw back in chapter 7, and then he's, the, he or she, the author of Hebrews, summarizes in saying, we do have such a priest, like I described in chapter 7, The author of Hebrews now adds another reason that we have a better priest is because Jesus can get us into the true tabernacle in heaven. Let me explain what he means. For as long as civilization has been around, humans have always built temples or tabernacles as houses of worship to house and to be a place of worship for their gods. But they've always known, people have always known, that gods don't really live in temples. Gods live in the heavens, among other places. What temples are, are like copies. They're like miniatures of the gods' original heavenly dwellings. Temples are like portals here on earth, where heaven meets earth. And so they're access points where the gods come down on earth so that we can have access to them. And so in the Old Testament, that's how the Lord, the true God, chose to appear and to come among his people. The Lord said, I don't dwell in houses made by human hands. I dwell in the heavens. In fact, I dwell everywhere. But nevertheless, since this is what you know, since this is what you humans are used to, make me a temple too. At first, it was a portable tent temple, a tabernacle, as it was called. And make it exactly as I tell you, the Lord said, exactly according to the blueprints I give you, verse 5. 
This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle, see to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. Because it's like a copy, a a miniature of my heavenly dwelling, God is saying. And, And so you can meet me there Um, You can draw close to me at this tabernacle. I will be there and you can have an audience with me. You can come into my presence. And the priests will help make this happen. They're like my staff. They, They man this tabernacle to help you encounter me. To help you relate to me in my earthly home, my earthly temple. Verse 5, first part. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and a shadow of what is in heaven. This is maybe a little bit like uh, congressmen or congresswomen. Their main work is in Washington, D.C., right? They have elaborate offices there with their very best staff, and they work in the Capitol building itself. But they also have an office or offices um, back in their district, where they sometimes come and meet with people to be among the constituents that they serve back in their home district. It's a very imperfect analogy, but it's sort of what the tabernacle was, an earthly copy, a satellite copy of God's main heavenly temple. But, but here's the point that Hebrews is making about why Jesus is a better priest than the priests who serve at that earthly tabernacle. They just serve in the copy, the shadow of God's house, the one built by human hands on earth. But Jesus has actually gone to heaven and he serves in God's real house, God's true heavenly dwelling. Verse 2, he serves in the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by mere human beings. Imagine that. Jesus right now is with God in heaven, in God's presence, serving as a priest, inviting us to come and meet with God in God's heavenly presence. That's the first reason, according to today's passage, that Jesus is a better priest. And we should take that seriously because when it comes to priests, just okay is not okay. A just okay priest is not an okay priest. But we have a priest who serves in the heavenly sanctuary where God dwells. Okay, now second, we move from Jesus being a better priest because he's in heaven itself. He's in a better location. He has better access to God. We move from that to Jesus being better because the covenant that he mediates is superior to the old covenant. Listen to verse 6. But in fact, the ministry that Jesus has received is as superior to theirs, that is superior to the priests of the Old Testament, as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one, since the new covenant is established on better promises. What does this mean? What's a covenant? What's a mediator? Well, a covenant is a way of connecting people together. It's a solemn, binding, serious commitment that two people or two parties enter into. It's very often how people who aren't family by blood become family or become like family. 
because they're tied to one another now as family through a covenant. Marriage is the covenant that we're most familiar with today. In it, or marriage is the, the binding together of separate people into a new relationship which is meant to be permanent. It involves promises. It involves obligations. It involves commitments and oaths. It makes two one. Of course, this kind of committed relationship is hard work, right? <laughs> there are tensions to resolve. There are conflicts and disappointments to work through. There can be betrayals. Much forgiveness often needs to be extended along the way. And so this is where a mediator comes in. A mediator is someone who maybe was there to help establish and inaugurate the covenant in the first place, but who continues to be there definitely to maintain it, to patch it up, to smooth out the disagreements. So listen again to verse 6. The ministry Jesus has received is as superior to those of the Old Testament priests as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one since the new covenant is established on better promises. The Old Testament priests helped to maintain the old covenant. The priests reminded the people of the covenant. They taught the people about God and what God expected of the people. They blessed the people with God's covenant blessings. They offered the, pe the people's praise and requests to God. And when the people broke the covenant, the priests offered sacrifices to atone for these transgressions. They were mediators. But, verse 7, all of that wasn't enough. For if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said. And then there's this long quote from the book of Jeremiah. This is the longest quote of the Old Testament in the New Testament. So it must be pretty important. And it is because in it, Jeremiah, some, who was a prophet some 600 years before Jesus, prophesied about a new day in the future when God would make a new, better covenant with people. The end of verse 9 basically sums up what went wrong with the old covenant. God says, they didn't remain faithful to my covenant and I turned away from them. That's what went wrong. So how would the new covenant be different? How would it be better? Well, I see three things in this passage about the new covenant that make it better. First, God gives you in the new covenant a new love for God, a love that you don't have by yourself. And when you really love someone, you want to please them, right? Verse 10, God says, I will put my laws in their minds, and write them on their hearts. In the Old Covenant, God, God would, says, I, I gave people my laws in writing, and, and I spoke them to the people, but they weren't in their hearts, and they broke them repeatedly. They broke those laws. Because they didn't really care about me in their hearts. So now God says, I will write my laws in the very hearts and minds of my people. If you are in covenant with God, in this new covenant that Jeremiah was foretelling, which Christ later fulfilled and mediates for us, 
then you want in your heart to please God. You're coming to love God, and so you're growing in your desire to please God. Now, you're not perfect, right? (laughs) But you're growing into this. It doesn't happen immediately or perfectly. We wrestle with our old desires, our conflicting desires, our desires to please ourselves or to put other things or other people that we love before God. But we're growing. We're on this journey. Our hearts are being made new. You know, I experienced this a few weeks back. We don't have cable, so we don't get Yankee games. But I love to watch the Yankees. Um, So one day I noticed that the Yankee game was the free MLB TV game of the day. And I have an MLB account, so I could watch it online for free. The only problem is, of course, that we're in New York, and so blackout restrictions apply. And so everyone else around the world, around the country, they can watch it, but I can't watch it here in New York because New York teams are blacked out for us in New York. We can't watch them. But then I realized that our new Norton Internet Security subscription now includes free VPN service. And when I turn on the VPN, MLB TV doesn't know that I'm in New York anymore. If you don't know what a VPN is, don't worry about it. The point is the game works now. I can watch it even here in New York. And so I'm excited. I'm happily watching the game. And then... uh, Along about the third inning, there's this little voice in my head which says, you know that technically this is illegal and dishonest. (laughs) When you signed up for that MLB account, you agreed not to circumvent the blackout restrictions. And and for a while, I just said, yep, not going to listen to that voice. (laughs) It's a small thing. Everyone's doing it, I'm sure. That's why VPNs are so great. But, but then what, what struck me was this. What do you love better? Catching a game now and then? Or do you love pleasing God? Walking in peace and walking in a clear conscience before God. And I was like, yeah, God, I do love you better than the Yankees, especially the way they've been playing this year. <laughs> so, so I turned off the game. God writes his laws in our hearts so that we love him and so that we want to please him. Second, in in this new covenant, we also have a new relationship with God. We have a personal relationship, verse 11. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least to the greatest. In the old covenant, it was... The, the, the priests who did a lot of the teaching about God and also others who loved God might exhort their neighbors or their, their countrymen, come on, remember who we are, who, who our God is and, and what God has asked of us. Come on, know the Lord. But now Jeremiah says when, when the new covenant comes, all of God's people will know God. Not just the priests, not just the leaders, not just a few godly people, but all God's people from the least to the greatest. If you are in covenant with God in this new covenant that Jeremiah was foretelling and which Christ has later fulfilled and mediates for us, then you can know God yourself. Not just your pastor, not just your parents, not just your small group leader or your Sunday school teacher, but you yourself 
can have a relationship with God. Anytime you want, you can go straight to the mediator, the better high priest, Jesus, in heaven, and have him arrange for you a personal audience with God. And then the third way the new covenant is better is that it ensures a new forgiveness by God. Verse 12, For I will forgive their wickedness, God says, and will remember their sins no more. Forgiveness, that's the last great promise of the new covenant. God will forgive our sins and remember them no more. I I, um, read a great story about this, and, and I may have shared it before, but it illustrates this point so well I can't help repeating it. It's told in Brennan Manning's book, The Ragamuffin Gospel. Several years ago in a large city in the far west, rumors spread that a certain Catholic woman was having visions of Jesus. The reports reached the archbishop, and he decided to check her out. He was experienced enough to know that there's a fine line between the authentic mystic and the lunatic fringe. So he called her. Is it true, ma'am, that you have visions of Jesus? Asked the cleric. Yes, the woman replied simply. Well, next time you have a vision, I want you to ask Jesus to tell you the sins that I confessed in my last confession. The woman was stunned. Did I hear you right, Bishop? You actually want me to ask Jesus to tell me the sins of your past? Exactly. Please call me if anything happens, said the bishop. Well, 10 years later, the woman notified her spiritual leader of a recent apparition. Please come, she said. Within an hour, the archbishop had arrived. He trusted eye-to-eye contact. You just told me on the telephone, he said, that you actually had a vision of Jesus. Did you do what I asked? Yes, she replied. I asked Jesus to tell me the sins you confessed in your last confession. The bishop leaned forward with anticipation. His eyes narrowed. What did Jesus say? She took his hand and she gazed deep into his eyes. Bishop, she said, these are his exact words. I can't remember. Wouldn't you like that kind of covenant, that kind of relationship with God? One where God is willing to forgive, to put out of mind the things you've done to break the covenant when you confess them to him. That makes it easier to have a personal relationship with God and to come into his presence. And that's what we have in the new covenant. No wonder Hebrews calls them better promises up in verse 6. And the promise of having all of our sins forgiven is possible because we have a better priest, a better mediator of the covenant. A priest who we're told back in verse 27 of the previous chapter, he sacrificed for our sins once for all when he offered himself. Jesus, as high priest, offered himself as one last, final, perfect sacrifice once and for all, forever, to atone for all of our sins. 
And so God has forgiven them all. He's put them out of his mind. And this means the way is open into God's presence. We are always welcome when we ask Jesus our priest to arrange for us an audience with God. And since this new covenant, this new relationship is so much better than the old, our passage concludes in verse 13, God has made the old covenant obsolete. And what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. Not many years after Hebrews was probably authored, in 70 AD, the Old Testament temple was destroyed and the sacrifices ended and the priesthood scattered, never to be restarted again. Why? Because we have a new priest now, a better priest in heaven, the heavenly sanctuary in God's very presence Christ is there mediating for us a better covenant, a better relationship with God. So let me ask you, when it comes to your eternity, when it comes to your salvation, when it comes to you connecting with God, you having a relationship with God, are you okay with someone in charge of making that happen who's just okay? Or do you want the very best? Well, take AT&T's word for it. Just okay is not okay. Go for the better priest. Go for the best priest, Jesus Christ. Better because he's serving as priest right in the heavenly sanctuary where God actually is. And better because he's mediating for us a new covenant, a better covenant, one where we have a new love for God that's growing in our hearts. One where we have a new personal relationship with God. And one where we have a new forgiveness by God. If you haven't asked Jesus to be your priest, you can do that now. You can just close your eyes and say, Jesus, be my priest. Take your death on the cross, your sacrifice, and offer it to God on my behalf so that my sins can be forgiven, so that I can be included in this new covenant, this new relationship with God. I want a new love for God. I want to know God. I want to have a relationship with God. Jesus, help make that happen. And if you pray that prayer, Jesus will honor that prayer. And we'll become your priest and we'll do that for you. And I'd love to talk to you more about that afterwards. If Jesus is already your priest, are you taking advantage of it? Are, are you taking up his services to bring you into God's presence? Are you growing in your new love for God? And are you acting out that love? Are you getting to know God personally? Are you bringing your sins each day to God and asking God to forgive them, to wipe them away? Let's pray that that would be true of us. Jesus, thank you for being the most amazing, capable, competent priest ever. So great at what you do that God said, you know, this one 
is going to be priest forever. We need no other. Jesus will always be there to welcome people into my presence, to mediate my relationship with them. God, may that sink into our hearts. May we take advantage of it. May we know fully the blessings and the benefits of having you as our amazing high priest. Amen.